There is no music. We can't afford it. We can't even afford the free music. Maybe I'm just lazy. Anyway, it's Hockey Aquarium. I'm your host, Dave Pendries, self-appointed host of Hockey Aquarium. How to get this job? I don't know. All right. So let's talk about the NWHL this week and uh, some more women's hockey in Connecticut as and some in the Boston area. That's kind of what, what I do here, and no one can stop me because I have infinite power. All right. First of all, NWHL, only one game this past weekend. It was between, yet again, the Connecticut Whale at the Metropolitan Riveters in what I've dubbed, and I'm paraphrasing, the don't take the GW Bridge, take the Tappan Zee and said rivalry. Because you shouldn't take the GW Bridge ever. Just take the extra 10 minutes, get across the Tappan Zee. It's not the Cuomo Bridge, it's the Tappan Zee. Let's deal with that. Okay, anyway, in that rivalry, once again, now the week before, the Whale got the surprise win over the uh, Riveters after Shannon Doyle, the uh, hero of the game, you know, one of the original Whale, one of the most important defenders on the team, just picked up the, uh, picked up the shot. This time, the two teams tied at the end of regulation, 3-3, where they went to a shootout and Amanda Kessel, who had hit the post twice during reg regulation, got the only goal past Mary Reisenden to win the game for the Riveters. However, that shouldn't overshadow the fact that for the Riveters, Audra Richards, the rookie, picked up a hat trick scoring all three of the Riveters' goals. She's been a critical part of the team this year, and a, what a, as if they needed more talent, here she is. On the whale side, Katerina Mirzova had two of the goals as her fantastic season continues, and Kayla Medigan had the third goal. So uh, two points here. First of all, Mirzova continuing to be amazing. What an addition. She and uh, Lowenyelm have been uh, just fantastic working together, and, uh, as a, and I think they put her on the line with Fluke as well, so that's really dangerous. So the key is can the whale fill in depth around them? And Menigan, uh just recently was profiled in the hockey writers, and then she gets her goal. So uh, good, good, uh, good vibes from the hockey writers. You certainly want to get uh, Dan Rice or Nathaniel Oliver interviewing you. Not sure where I was going with that. Just wanted to get the plug for them. On the other, on the other side of it, in addition to Ryzen and playing really well, Kimberly Sass got the start, which is kind of an interesting move by Randy Velashek. And uh, Sass got the win after, um, you know, she last year she started against the Whale. And uh, that one went to overtime and the, and the Riveters had to pull that one out. And this year they went to overtime and a shootout. So they're really, it's really been some nail biters versus the Whale. But Sass played very well. Uh, she, you know, when you have a number one goalie like Katie Fitzgerald, you you can sort of you don't necessarily know for sure what you have in your backups, but Sass is a very capable goalie who just hasn't had an opportunity to really show what she can do. I mean, if the NWHL had you know ten teams, uh, she'd probably be a starter, and or we at least would see an opportunity to see what she could do in that um, regard. Uh, throwing it over just uh, to quote. Um, some of the excellent uh, reporters on the scene there. Uh, Erica Ayala had mentioned that uh, she had been looking into um, 
actually, I can't remember if it was Erica or Mike Murphy on the uh, Founding Four podcast have been talking about. They had asked, been asking Belichick, is Fitzgerald going? I certainly believe this is Erica. She was taught, she was at practice. So just, I just wasted a minute doing the lead in. You guys are both great. Um, Mike gets no credit. Okay. Anyway, she had asked uh, Belichick if putting Sass in ahead of Fitzgerald meant that there was going to be like, you know, a change in how. Um, who is be starting, or is Fitzgerald not going to be the number one? And Velichek seemed to indicate that Fitzgerald was going to remain the number one. This was a temporary situation. And as they had pointed out, Fitzgerald had taken a lot of losses this year because the Rivers kept losing, and with Fitzgerald in the net. And so there's a question was, was she struggling, or was it the team struggle in front of her that made it so that it was um, more difficult for her. So that's going to be an interesting question to see. Um, you know, see what will happen. What was interesting is last year, and when the uh, Riveters played the Whale, uh, Sass had uh, given up two goals pretty easily. Though Madison Packer was quick in the post game to say that was more the team's fault than hers and also the team had to learn not to just rely on the goaltender to bail them out and which is an interesting plot line to think of when you had a case this year where Fitzgerald was in net most of the time and that was who they would rely on as the backstop and the team was still losing and now they had Sass in and they pulled out the win though it was certainly a close one and so it's kind of interesting, that dynamic of what is the mental thoughts that the team is putting into it when they have one goalie behind them or another? You know, did they say, well, Sass is the backup, even though she's good. We just don't want to do what we did last year was, you know, let her give up two quick goals. So I don't know if that figures into it. But um, nonetheless, that was a fantastic hockey game. I mean, just the, the those two teams are be it. You start to wonder if, you know, the, the, the white caps may run away with it or the Buttes may be their challenger or the Pride may, you know, serve as a challenger to that. And the Riveters have been struggling and the Whale are you know, still building. But, you know, when the Whale and the Riveters play now, you know you have a game. Just like when you used to have, you know, in the first couple of years, when the Whale played the Buttes, that, those games get ridiculous. They'd score 12 goals. You didn't know what would happen. There was like that that game where one team scored uh, just a, a plethora of goals to, uh, you know, uh, come back. It just So it's good to have those kind of rivalries, especially among those two teams. The fact that I'm a fan of both teams also works for me. I'm glad they're both uh, having some success. So I prefer, once again, they um, – well, they didn't. They didn't play each other ever, and they got all their wins at the expense of other teams. That's a bit unrealistic, but I am a fan, so I'm allowed to have unrealistic goals. So that was, nonetheless, that was great um, from the um, from the NWHL side. Now, turning to the NCAA side, there were fewer games because it was Thanksgiving weekend, but there were still plenty. Uh, I'm going to touch on the Nutmeg Classic in a little bit, but just a few other uh, area games that went on recently. Uh, Sacred Heart hosted uh, New England College twice, defeated them 4-0 and 3-1. In the first game, Jane, Jane Lewis, Lily Cleary, Samantha Shoebottom, great name, Katie Stev had the goals. Sarah Urban had the shutout in net. In the second game, Lewis had two more goals and... Uh, I do apologize. I think that's Olivia Breyer. 
or Olivia Bryan, uh, my chicken scratch is off here. I do apologize if I got that wrong. Had the goal of uh, the goals. Uh, Urban had eight saves in that one. So obviously New England College, the New England College was not throwing a lot of shots on net. Over in Division Three, Wesleyan was up at UMass Boston for the Codfish Bowl. Can you can you feel the excitement of the raging codfish sweeping through the waves? Okay. So in the first game they played. They played UMass Boston, the Beacons, and uh, Gina Mangiafrida and Ali Damron had uh, had Wesleyan's goals as they topped them 2-1. Stam Smith was in net with 31 saves. So, so that meant the uh, Wesleyan Cardinals advanced to the final, where awaiting them was perennial uh, tough team Manhattanville, storied history of Manhattanville. Manhattanville, of course, is not in Manhattan. It is in Purchase, New York. It is not urban. It is suburban, arguably suburban. It has a big castle, but it's not really Manhattan-ish. Nonetheless, Manhattanville took the win 2-1, but Sydney Goyer had her second goal of the season for the Cardinals. And in that, Allegra Grant made 35 saves. Allegra Grant, fantastic goalie. I'm looking forward to seeing what she can do this year. In the uh, Boston area schools, Boston College took on Holy Cross. And as always, Holy Cross is in transition to Hockey East from not playing Hockey East teams all the time. It's going to take them some time to catch up to the rest of the teams. And in the meantime, it's not going well. So uh, BC got five goals. Holy Cross got zero. Molly Barrow had her first career shutout in net for Boston College. Uh, Kelly Brown had two goals. Kayla Barnes, Delaney Balinskis, and Erin Colony had the other three goals. Also speaking of I hope you heard when I just smacked the laptop with my hand there. Um, more on BC in a minute. But first of all, Harvard took on Wisconsin twice, and they held them tough. Wisconsin picked up the win by one goal each time. These were in overtime games, uh, Wisconsin picking up the win. Um, in the first game, Wisconsin 3, Harvard 2. Uh, Christy Della Roveri and Lexi Lang of the Lang Sisters had the goal for Harvard. Lindsey Reed had 47 saves in that. In the second game, Wisconsin 2, Harvard 1. Katie Hallett with the goal for Harvard. Reed had 38 saves. Wisconsin is arguably the best team in the country right now, and Harvard played them incredibly tough. Harvard was a team that pretty much the, the they, they lost Edmonds Massmeyer in net, and the next year did not go well. But they, now they're on the upswing, playing uh, playing tougher. I mean, playing Wisconsin that hard, really, really great achievement for Harvard. And not just to do it in one game, but to do it in two, showing it wasn't a fluke. So really, really good news for Harvard. Okay, just ended within the past hour. I'm taping this on Tuesday night. Northeastern and Boston College played, and why not put this fantastic matchup on a Tuesday weeknight? You know, okay, anyway, they did. Northeastern 5, Boston College 4, 
Aaron Frankel, 46 saves for Northeastern. Uh, MacArthur of Boston College made 28 saves. So Frankel clearly uh, was a major part of keeping BC from winning this game. Alina Mueller, two goals. Cassidy Anderson, one goal. Chloe Arard, one goal. Mia Brown, one goal for Northeastern. For BC, Savannah Northcross. Dara Watts each had a goal. McKenna Newkirk had two. That sounded like a fantastic game. I was occupied, did not get a chance to see it, but that must have been just just an amazing game to watch. Uh, those two teams are doing fantastic. Hockey East is going to be wide open. All right. Drops your note on the floor. Put the nose back on the table. Okay. But this uh, right after Thanksgiving – is when the Nutmeg Classic is held somewhere in Connecticut as the hosts change each year. This year, Yale was the host, so they brought in Quinnipiac as usual, they brought in UConn as usual, and the fourth floating team that they sort of pull in from wherever was Providence. Providence, of course, is an arguably uh, top team in the country, though it's debatable. You can sort of see there's debate raging on uh, about how good they are. Uh, Title IX hockey recently did sort of a breakdown trying to figure Providence out. Uh, does a really good analysis. Uh, so that's uh, check out their site. So this the the first 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 um, first day yeah day that would be a good word for the first day of competition. Uh, put Quinnipiac versus UConn in the early game. Quinnipiac took the uh, took the three to two win despite UConn putting 41 shots on net. Melissa Samuskevich had two goals and Lauren Lundblad had a had the third goal for Quinnipiac. Uh, not in that order, I don't believe. Um, Danica Pasqua had the two goals for UConn. Abby Eyes made 39 saves for Quinnipiac. So that's really important. UConn was peppering her, and they can really bring the offense. So uh, team effort there by Quinnipiac. I did not see that game, so I don't know exactly how it shook out, but uh, that's how that came about. In the nightcap, Providence took on Yale. Providence entered the game as the favorite, no doubt, but Tara Hoffman was in net for Yale, and she's been performing admirably. She made 31 saves on Providence, so Providence did get two goals, and that was enough to win it to one. Charlotte Welch had the goal for Yale. This game was interesting. Uh, Yale seemed to, um, as I'm trying to remember how it sort of played out, Yale did not have um, the best offense going on in the first two periods. They were really struggling to get shots, as I believe they had six at the end of the second period total, and then they ramped it up in the third period. But uh, Providence, though, was outmaneuvering Yale, but they still, I mean, they still were not able to really. You know, I mean, they only won two once, so Yale did keep them close, despite the fact Providence did seem to be able to outmaneuver them more, get more solid opportunities, but Hoffman stood tall. So that was sort of interesting how Yale had come off a win versus Clarkson of all, you know, just of all the teams, and Yale was able to, you know, flummox Providence enough to keep the game close and keep it so that if Yale had just been able to get one more goal win, might have gone overtime, who knows what would have happened. So, um... Interesting, Yale, kind of an enigma. Yale was not the most offensive team that, that night. Uh, so, next game then. 
next day. UConn was playing Yale in the consolation game, as he will. Uh, UConn got the only goal, thanks to Vicki Harkness. Samantha Carpenter Yale was in net for UConn, and she had 28 saves on the day for the shutout, as Yale was unable to put anything on the board. She was solid. You know, the opportunities Yale did get, and Yale did get them. It was sort of like Neither team was, you know, there was very, very few. There was very little offense. I mean, it came the it came later, uh, the one goal, and you know, very little scoring going on. But you know, each team had their chances. But uh, Carpenter Yell did well. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Apologies. I don't have my nifty line sheets this year, as I'm not media, so I don't have the uh, pronunciation guides. If I can get a handle on them, I happily will. So that, you know, tough tough for Yale because Yale lost, you know, collectively to two solid teams from Hockey East by, you know, just uh, one goal each game. So Yale certainly has some capabilities there, but if you don't score enough, you're not going to you're not going to win. Uh, it was another it was another good game for Hoffman though. So the championship game as it were for all the nutmeg, everything John Legend was singing about was on the line. And in this case, the stakes were higher because Providence is from Rhode Island. It's not from Connecticut. So if they were to win the Nutmeg Classic, they're taking it out of the state. The Nutmeg leaves Connecticut. You know, Quinnipiac won last season, so the Nutmeg was safe. But what was going to happen? This is our. This is a slogan of the whole state. You know, you can't. You know, Providence. I don't even know. I mean, Rhode Island slogan. I don't even know what it could be. You know, I. I I, I don't. I think it could be. We really are an island, really. But whatever that is, this was a big deal. So it was a very close game, but uh, Quinnipiac was just not able to put points on the board. Kate McKenzie was the lone goal for them. Providence was able to get two past Abby Ives, so she made twenty-three saves, and so it was another close game. But Providence narrowed it out. The interesting thing is. Of the four teams, Providence and Quinnipiac, to me, seemed the most similar. They had some really, really, really explosive playmakers with national national recognition, um, and like Patigna and, um, and 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 other other players like that, and and of course Sam Eskevich is on Quinnipiac, and. Um, that's what you get for not writing more notes down. But nonetheless, you have two teams where you had some fast, speedy, really talented playmakers. You know they can score. And still, the offense was not coming for either team. So, so, um, so yeah, so Providence took it. The nutmeg is now gone. We don't have it here. It's gone to Rhode Island. I don't know if we'll get it back. I guess mean next year because usually the teams don't repeat so the nutmeg will return by default um so it's just but what's tricky is quinnipiac you know showed they could score versus uconn and then just you know once again is having a lot of trouble scoring i don't know what needs to happen for quinnipiac to return to their the scoring ways they used to have now part of me um, I know Anna Kilpinen wasn't in the game uh, this week. Um, I don't know if there's a defensive issue as well. I don't know if there's um, 
I, you know, I, I, my analytical abilities are very limited. Uh, usually, I mean, I haven't seen as many games this year as I have other years. So sometimes I can just sort of pick up patterns by sheer quantity, just seeing how everything sort of comes about. This year has been a little different. I don't know if Quinnipiac is having defensive issues that may be keeping them from getting the puck, you know, moved out properly to the, the forwards. That's that can always be a concern. I'm only saying that because I'm thinking of other teams where you've had offensive um, players that are really good, but there's still the offense isn't happening. And I don't know if it's because the de it's a defensive struggle. You know, they're just not getting it set up right. I, I feel like a lot of I feel like I'm watching a lot of Quinnipiac's playmakers have to try to do it themselves. And that's that's a severe oversimplification, but I just I sort of the what I'm sort of seeing is when I'm watching, I just see these moments where it looks like Sam Skevich has to do a lot, or uh, Sarah Evkatubagbo has to um, try to do something, and and there's just not the. Um, I mean, there certainly are plays they set up by passing. Certainly, there's certainly those. But there also seems to be times when the skill player just is trying to take things on their back and do it. And so, um, and they have a lot of skill players. So I don't know if that's part of the um, part of the issue. I'm a bit confused because while it is true that Quinnipiac had, you know, there were times where Quinnipiac had on their roster just a ton of players that were going on to the pros. Um, you know, when you had, you know, Woods and Costa and Rusler and um, Connery uh, on the, uh, and um, uh, how am I, how am I blanking on the third Nicole? Um, well, uh, there were three Nicoles, Nicole Brown, Nicole Brown. Um, and the, I think that's right. Uh, sorry, I was sorry. I go down this rabbit hole. Nevertheless, the you had you had these players that were extremely talented enough that they're now on the pro level. And obviously, you had Sidney Rossman in that. Um, but you know, it's I, watching Quinnipiac last year too, when you had a lot of the uh, younger skill players. Um, that now are sophomores. It still looks like these are players that can move the puck. They're explosive. They can. They should be able to be scoring goals. I don't know what it's it's taking to put it all together. So um, that's a long ramble on Quinnipiac. Yale confuses me because um, what's interesting about Yale is yes, they can beat Clarkson and they can put up the goals and they have to. I, they and I believe based on what I've seen so far and what I've read that Yale has more offensive talent to bear this year than they did last year. And that's also considering that Ian Murray was injured last year, so she wasn't available. But this year, it just seems like um, they, you know, they have players like, you know, Greta Skarzynski and Jordan Chancellor. And in addition to that, they've added on players like Welch and, um, some, uh, some of the others that have scored in other games. That so I just I'd be interested to see if Yale can put it together more. Their um, defense still has a solid core with um, Soroya Tinker and Lauren Mariama and 
Julia Yetman and um, some other players that are added. So, and their their goaltending is they they have stable goaltending and they have three goaltenders, including Hoffman, who has clearly emerged as a clear number one. Having said that, she'll probably not get a start for the next two games, just to spite me. But you know, I'm very curious to see where Yale goes goes from here. So that's the Nutmeg Classic, a fun, fun tournament to watch. Always look forward to either Thanksgiving and then you have a tournament. And uh, not not bad attendance, actually, uh, for the games. It was good. It was good to see uh, fans coming out. So so, the, so I really uh, went along a whale, a whale, a while on that. So uh, I actually have a couple questions I throw up on the Hockey Aquarium Twitter account, I say, I'm going to tape at some point. Ask me questions if you like. And uh, my uh, friend Cara, um, or Kara, and I apologize for not actually knowing that. We've never spoken. <laughs> um, uh, who is Instamatic Flu on Twitter, had two questions. The first is, a college, uh, one of the questions is college-related, so uh, I'll pull it back. She said, uh, have you noticed any difference in Sam Eskevich's play since she returned from the Four Nations? Uh, that's a good question. Now, admittedly, uh, by skills are you know not are limited in analyzing play like that, but based on just watching her, I didn't see any difference from earlier in the season or from last year. Um, based on um, I don't know. Um, excuse me. Uh, based on um, you know what sort of the, in what I saw in the Nutmeg Classic and the game before against Merrimack, uh, it seems to be similar play. She's just incredibly talented, uh, always trying to get into the play, trying to bring it in or trying to get in position to score. Uh, she just seems to be uh, very good in that regard. I don't know, uh, you know, the scoring hasn't been happening as much, but that again, you know, it may be that, uh, that she has a Kelly Babstock problem in that teams know she's the number one scorer and they know that while Quinnipiac has other options, that she's still the number one danger and they may, may devote more attention to that. I don't know. That may may come come to come into play because, I mean, in past years um, when there's just been more um, scoring options. So admittedly, um, Last year, it was a very similar thing in that uh, Kenzie Lancaster, Sarah Avkadubu, sorry about that. Um, there's, a, there's a knack to how you put that together. Uh, were also offensive threats, and Sam Eskevich is still there. I mean, the year before that, though, with Sam Eskevich, TTC and Ferrano, Emma Woods, all of them were on uh, the same line together, and there was just all, there was a lot more depth. So that might have been explaining it, but I, she still seems to be an incredibly lethal player, as as was shown in the Four Nations Cup. You put her on a team with some more, you know, some of these elite players, and she can really shine. And so I haven't really noticed that much of a difference, admittedly. That's a long way of answering the question. Then the second question is, so when will Velashek be fired? That would be referring to Randy Velashek who is the coach of the Riveters. Now, the Riveters managed to get a win, but they, you know, they've had two tough games against the Whale, and even though the Whale are better than they seem, if you're just looking at the situation, the Riveters have lost a lot of games, and they've lost it to the top competition in the league, 
and then they've been struggling against the whale and that shouldn't be the case because the riveters are are just it's not just how they uh, that they've lost it's how they lost and admit they they have they didn't they didn't have Mia Dent they didn't have Courtney Burke they have them back they have they missed Kessel for a game she's back but I mean I don't know we 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 have to give it some time to see how this comes about but I think that it seems very likely that Velashek's coaching transition has been part of the reason they've been struggling because he changed up the lines he just he you know he you know he seems to be trying to pick up things he wasn't he's not used to coaching the women's game so whether he's going to be the next Chad Wiseman winning the Winnipeg Isabel Cup in three years or he's just gonna not he's gonna be like Thomas Polk and not you know, just sort of bring a, a champion team down or former champion team down. I I don't know. Um, that's a, it's a very good question. Now, I admittedly, I'd imagine the NWHL will not be like um, you know uh, the NHL where they fired like fifteen coaches already, where they just sort of fire him mid-season. I mean, it's interesting that the, the CWHL coaches seem to leave suddenly. But in the NWHL, there's been, you know, they, they at least stay the whole year, regardless of how things are going. So, I, you know, admittedly, I think, though, at this point, it'd be probably better for the Riveters if, you know, he was gone and they just sort of took matters into their own hands with the coaches they had on hand, you know, including some very, uh, you know, people who are coaching now, you know, like Kelly Nash, etc. So, I don't know. It, it's... Uh, It'd be interesting to see um, if if something does happen. Though, if if they keep winning, which could happen now, uh, then maybe he, you know, he doesn't look so bad. But I don't think they should be in the position they're in. I mean, maybe the NHL thought that because his name rhymes with Belichick, that they'd get a similar result. But then again, Belichick, in his first year co- head coaching, had a terrible year as well. And that's not what the Riveters needed. The Riveters needed consistency. The Riveters needed somebody who was solid, who understood the women's game. And maybe it's hard to get them, but I just think it was very unfortunate. And you start to wonder whether it, you know, I just, I don't know why, you know, Buffalo has this stability. Yes, the Pagulas came in, but before the Pagulas came in, Buffalo had some coaching stability and, you know, Minnesota had has coaching stability, and in that they just found coaches that knew what they were doing, and they and you know Boston has you know had last year, but they got Palmara this year, who seemed like a, a good choice, and Ryan Aquali is you know he clearly understands how to coach women's hockey. There's no doubt of that. It's a question of whether they can pull it all together. Um, and stay out of the penalty box for God's sakes. But you know, it's you know, it's it, I don't. You would have thought someone in New Jersey or New York or Northern Pennsylvania or Delaware or something would know how to coach the women's game and just be able to step in. And but maybe the salaries aren't that great. I don't know what the NHL offers. But it, I mean, you know, you look at the whole metropolitan area which is 
arguably not a geographic territory, there should have been somebody available to coach the Riveters uh, who didn't just need to learn on the job. Long rant. Okay, I've talked for 32 minutes. It amazes me how long I can ramble on about these things. So I'm going to wrap it up for now. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Dave Pendry's. Instagram, same. Hockey Aquarium's on Twitter at Hockey Aquarium. I'm going to try to post more things in the coming days and weeks and months and years. Um, and as always, well, not as always, but just recently, what's your favorite shark? <laughs>